The views expressed on this podcast is strictly of the host and any subsequent guests. In other words, this ain't got shit to do with my employer. Team committed, uh, gotta go and get it, uh, chose to be in it, uh, that was the decision, uh, whole team committed, uh, gotta go and get it, uh, chose to be in it, uh, that was the decision. I done came down, still hollering what's up with it, I do it for my fam, friends and my enemies, we choose to be ignorant, I blow smoke like incense, all my folks go get it, rough shoulder realist, so Multi-milli, oh what a feeling, never seen a ceiling, we are in the building, rather build the building, work to do plenty, no time for chilling, put on for my city, ignorant choices, 300 horses, uh, self-worth more than your Porsches, bring it to your front door, where your porch is, gorgeous, looking like a Basquiat portrait, uh, that means I'm feeling blacker than ever Young black male get the bag, package delivered Shout out to my brother on a whole nother level uh, Mr. Rough Show, can't no one do it better uh, Another episode of the Ignorant by Choice podcast. It's your boy Rough Show. Uh, it's Fourth of July, so happy Fourth of July to everybody. Um, if y'all fuck with it, black people, y'all, we we doing Fourth of July this year. Well, I'm not because I gotta work. I just got off work. Gotta go back to work tonight. So I guess you know what I'm saying. I don't know if black people really still do Fourth of July. I know we do Juneteenth. That's you know what I'm saying? That's our freedom on Juneteenth. So I don't really know how everybody feel, you know what I'm saying, about the 4th of July. I mean, of course, you know, I seen it on social media that we not rocking with 4th of July. So if we not rocking with 4th of July, you know, happy off day, happy holiday pay. You know what I'm saying? Enjoy your day off if you if you get the day off. I don't get the day off. But technically, it's not really that bad because I I work at nighttime. It just means like ain't no sippy sip going on, no drinky drink. It's uh eat this food and get ready to go back into work. That's 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 about as far as it gonna go for me, anyway. But uh, look, we made it to our third episode. Woohoo! That's a milestone. <laughs> That's supposed to be five words. All right, it's cool. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. Uh, so what I got for you guys today. Well, uh, so you last week, you know, um, last week's episode was black male mentors are needed. Uh, black male mentors matters basically, and so that wasn't the original episode. Uh, that was supposed to go last week, but like I said, I, I felt like that was a little bit, uh, that episode was a little bit prioritized ahead of what I'm about to talk about today, which matters as well. So today we're going to talk about 
the the Wells Fargo scandal that took place uh, back in 2016. Well, I mean, the scandal was going on many years before then, but that's when it came to a forefront. And so let me just give you, a look, you guys a little bit more background information. So I, I've been in banking uh, for a little bit over, I think I'll say uh, almost six years. Uh, six years I'm in school and you know my school I'm, I'm in school for business administration with a concentration and banking and finance and like you know I got one more uh semester to go and then I graduate so I, I got a little I got a little bit of knowledge in this banking thing I know a little some 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 you know what I'm saying but the thing I want to talk about with the Wells Fargo uh, scandal that took place is, what I'm gonna focus on is why it happened or how it happened or how it happened um, for so many years. No, I never worked for Wells Fargo. Um, I did bank with them at the time my little this went down. I stopped banking with them um, because of it. Um, and because I now work in banking, I, I kinda know better. You know what I'm saying? But also, you know what I'm saying? They made a lot of different changes um, since this scandal. Wells Fargo, everything that happened at Wells Fargo kind of sort of changed the way we do banking now. Or a lot of the things that once upon a time you could quote unquote get away in banking. If you work there, you really can't anymore. So for you guys who are unfamiliar with the Wells Fargo scandal, so back in 2016, it uh, came to a front that like 1.5 million fake accounts, uh, fake deposit accounts. So that means checking accounts, savings accounts, uh, money markets, um, things of that nature, you know, deposit, deposit accounts. Um, had been open in customers' names who were unaware of the situation, uh, were unaware that accounts were being open in their name and using their social security number and all that other good stuff. And also there was 500,000 uh, fake credit cards open. Once again, in, in people's names, they didn't know. Now they was getting their credit uh, the credit pulled and having credit card accounts uh, in that name, which is a lot more riskier to even try to pull off than uh, deposit accounts just because people, well, you're supposed to, you know, check your credit reports more often than not. Um, but obviously, Wells Fargo pulled that off pretty well. Um, and in 2017, what ended up happening is they found out that it was more than 1.5 million uh, fake deposit accounts that were open or fraudulent uh, deposit accounts because that's what we're going to use. We're going to use fraudulent because it was fraud. Um, it ended up being upward towards 3.5 million uh, fraudulent 
deposit accounts that were open. On top of that, um, they were repossessing military members' uh, cars. Now, if you're unfamiliar with how this works, so there's a law intact to protect military uh, members who are serving. Like if they're on active duty, um, they get they have the ability to hold off on making payments. Because a lot of times if you're on active duty, you're, you know, overseas somewhere. So that's, that goes for, you know, the Marines, the Army, uh, the Navy, the Air Force, and, and so on. And also, their interest rates are supposed to drop to like, you can't exceed past 6% or, you know, um, and if it is past 6%, when they have to go on active duty, it drops down to 6%. But anyway, they're not supposed to get their cars or their possessions um, repossessed. And what Wells Fargo's was doing, when they were repossessing cars, they were, they, they were literally repossessing these military service members' cars. And they wasn't even reporting to the credit agency that these people were serving in the military. So while their credit was being negatively impacted uh, because of it. So now you got this repossession on your credit report and you're not even supposed to have this repossession on your credit report. And also a lot of military members at the time didn't even know that there were laws in place to protect them. So Wells Fargo was literally, they was getting over on the military people, um, military service members. Um, and by the way, thank you for your service and everything that you do. But so Wells Fargo was getting over on them. And so then they got caught doing that as well, uh, repossessing military members' cars. So when all this came to light, of course, the first thing that happened was they fired like 5,300 employees, like, but these were low level employees. Like, so these were like the people that you walk into a bank and see people that you call and talk to over the phone. Like these were low levels. When this first happened, it was like, Hey, we got to, we got to clean house, but it impacted the lower tier workers who worked at Wells Fargo. And don't get me wrong, if they were doing wrong, they deserve to be fired. So in no shape, form or fashion, am I excusing their behavior because wrong is wrong and plus they knew better. Like when you work at a bank, man, it is so much training or so many yeah, yeah, training basically so much stuff that we have to read and we have to do it yearly. So it isn't just a one time read this and go on about your business for the rest of your banking career. No, you have these training courses that you have to take every year. And so I I truly believe like if you were doing wrong, you were impacting people's lives in a negative way. They deserve to have been fired. But they weren't the only ones 
who deserved to be fired. Now, of course, eventually they got the CEO out of there. They got him fired. He was gone. And then further on down the line, they fired a lot of mid-level managers and um, got them out of there. All of that was necessary. It took a little bit longer than I think it should have taken, but they did get them out of there uh, eventually. Uh, but one of the things that I want to talk about, like, how does this happen and how does it go untraced for so long? Because this wasn't something that just took place in 2016. Like, this had been going on for years. So... Let me, uh, let me smile. And the reason, and let me, uh, make this clear. The reason I want to talk to you guys about this is because one, I want you to be informed, and two, I want you to be able to protect yourself when it comes to banking. Uh, because what's the point? Like, I worked in banking, so I know a lot of the ins and the outs. And one of the things, like, I would always tell people, uh, better, yeah, I would always tell people that were close to me. Who knew I was in banking, you know, um, little tricks and, and tips to to keep themselves protected. And so basically, I want to I want to go ahead and just tell you guys it. So so how the first and foremost, how was this bit uh, able to happen for years and go unchecked? Is the culture that is was going on in Wells Fargo. Uh, now, this is a culture, a cultural issue that uh, you can probably find in any of the big banks. Like if it's in big banking, it, it wouldn't be surprised because when it comes to big banks, uh, what they have is shareholders and shareholders are people who invest uh, in the bank and who want High return and dividends. It with anything like like let's say if you invest in Netflix, Google, uh, Apple, uh, any of those places. Of course, when you invest in it, you want high returns because you. The more people that you get to invest, uh, the bigger the company goes, the more money it makes, the larger the salaries are for everybody. Um, but one of the things that that um, that Wells Fargo suffered from was that culture, uh, the culture of having to you know to to make money. So, for instance, anytime like they had sales quotas, and you meet your sales quotas, uh, you get bonuses and things of that nature. Now, let me tell you about these bonuses because it's with Wells Fargo, so. Of course, working in the banking world, I've come across people who worked at Wells Fargo and other banks. But one of the most craziest things that uh, Wells Fargo used to do was, let's say if you were working overtime, and if you were working overtime, uh, your sales quota went up. So like, let's say if you was working overtime because the banking itself had it had a need, like to to a coverage need. We needed more people to come in to get this done. So, well, if they had that need, 
for you to come in and work overtime, then that also means with your your goals or your, your quota that you had to meet went up with it as well, which is crazy. Because, I mean, even at the bank that I work for, if you work overtime, your sales quota was set in stone. Like, that didn't go up and down based on the hours you work at all. Like, if you so happen to work 20 extra hours of overtime, the sales quota was still the same. But with uh, Wells Fargo, if you work 20 hours of overtime, then your sales quota was going up as well. So when you were at work, you had no choice but to meet these meet these goals. And how you meet sales quota is through uh, the products that you sell. Some have it to where uh, it's a point system. So for instance, let's say if the sales goal is you have to get 1,200 points for the month, a checking account, 50 points, a savings account, 25 points, a credit card, 40 points, uh, getting a customer to sign in or use online banking or mobile banking might be like one point, two points, uh, three points. Money market might be a certain amount of points, might be uh, 50 points just as a, a savings account. So for each account that was open, you would get points. So for each credit card, you would get points for it. And so that's how you make your... Um, that's how you meet your, your, your sales quota. So from me being in school, uh, one of the things that I've learned is that having sales quotas and banks always bring out the worst in people. Uh, because one, it's one thing like, yeah, if you meet your sales quota, you get your bonus. But if you don't meet your sales quota, you get rolled up. And with these write-ups, then if you still not hitting your sales quota, you uh you get fired eventually. Like they terminate your your employment with the company. And so what that does is it puts people in a situation where in order for me to to keep my job, man, I gotta hit these numbers, man. I gotta hit these numbers. Like whatever it takes, I gotta hit these numbers. Or also what it does is if you're somebody who, because when the bonus checks come in, when the bonus, like, listen, listen, the bonus checks be nice. Well, for me, I don't know what the bonus checks was for Wells Fargo, but I assume they were nice as well because they were a bigger bank than the bank that I worked for. But them bonus checks be nice. And what happens when you keep constantly getting bonus checks you depend on bonus checks. So you center your life around not just your regular salary, but your bonus check. You might go purchase a car that you necessarily can't afford without making sure that you get your bonus every month. Or you might move into a house or you might get an apartment that's out of your salary range. But because you're getting these bonuses, you know, you can afford it. Because sometimes, you know, a bonus could be anywhere, sometimes from from $200 to 
to like $1,500. And that's not even including your commission off of loans. So I, I didn't even bring up loans because that's, that's a totally different story. That's strictly commission. Like you get a percentage of loans and I'm not saying fraudulent stuff don't happen with loans, uh, but that's a little bit more difficult, a whole lot more difficult to do than with checking accounts, savings accounts, money markets, and credit cards. But anyway, your bonuses, you become so dependent off of your bonuses to continue living your lifestyle. You know what I'm saying? So what that would cause... So, so now what that does, that goes in part of having that negative culture. Like, man, if I don't get my bonus this month, how am I, how I'm gonna pay my rent? How I'm gonna pay for this car? Like, I got this band sitting out here, and my car payment for this band's like six, seven, eight hundred dollars. That's solely, you know, what I'm saying I'm paying that 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 joker off with my bonuses. Well, I got my kids in this private school that I'm paying so solely off of the bonuses that I'm bringing in each month. So you become so dependent off of your bonuses to meet your lifestyle. So one, if you don't make your bonuses, you get fired. Or if you don't meet your quotas, you get fired. Two, you don't make your bonuses, you can't pay for it, pay your bills or continue to live the lifestyle that you have become accustomed to for making your bonuses. In class, what I learned is when you do that or when banks are set up in that way, that there's always going to be people who tries to take advantage of the situation. Also, for them to have opened up so many fraudulent accounts, your branch managers your supervisors, your team leads were in on it too because your team lead is graded or uh, evaluated off the performance of their branch and of their employees or who they supervise. So they're turning a blind eye to it and also acting, uh, doing the same stuff that they're their uh the subordinates are doing because branch managers, little do people know branch managers have a sales quota that they have to meet as well, too. So now you got everybody, the whole branch, this whole department, like if it's in a call center, everybody doing shady shit to make sure that their lifestyles are not changed from either losing the job or not being able uh, to meet their sales quota in school, like so now, like now, if you if you ask Wells Fargo about it, if you go to Wells Fargo and you talk to them about it, and they even had a commercial on it, they got rid of their sales quota, which was the only way that they were gonna keep things afloat and get their shareholders to continue to leave their money in Wells Fargo. They had to make a drastic change, but that's a change that should have been happening because even at the bank that I worked for, like it was, that was never anything on a scale as, as what Wells Fargo was doing. Um, have I heard stories about 
people getting fired for some of the stuff or doing shady stuff? Of course. But let me tell you one thing that when I first started working at the bank, I started out as a um, outbound specialist. And so one of my assignments or my responsibilities was to call people who just got a credit card and basically it was onboarding. So it's basically, oh, you sent out your credit card. Have you received your credit card? Have you got your credit card activated? Um, have you used it yet? Have you ran into any issues? Like, so that's, that's basically, this is strictly like an informational call and to get you to use your credit card. Cause just because you got a credit card, while of course, you know, it gets the employees its points, but a customer just having a credit card and not using it doesn't benefit the bank at all. So on this onboarding calls, that's what we, we were primarily trying to get them to use their credit cards. Let me tell you one of the issues that we ran into with this credit card. Well, two, two issues. A lot of the older customers that uh, we were calling, they were unaware that they had a credit card. But it's not because they were simply like somebody opened up a credit card fraudulently in their name. It just wasn't explained to them that it was a credit card because older people generally don't really like fooling with credit cards. So basically, if you came into the branch or if the branch was making calls uh, because they had their numbers to me, so they place outbound calls. Uh, as well, and especially in smaller communities where you get to familiarize yourself with people who work in the branch, if they call you, you're more open to talk to them. And so the branches don't have the same rules as a call center does because their calls are not recorded 100% of the time. If you work in the call center, you know your calls are recorded 100% of the time. So what the branch would do, even if a customer is sitting with them or if they call them over the phone, they would say, you know, we got a great uh, product for you that can help protect your account. Uh, it's called overdraft protection. Uh, overdraft protection is simply if your account don't, if your checking account don't have the funds in it, it'll pull from another entity like you can link it to your savings account. You can link it to a credit card. You can link it to a line of credit. And so people would be like, oh, that sounds awesome. But what was happening was nobody was explaining to them that it was an actual credit card and that their um, credit was going to be pulled. Um, so when we were doing a lot of these calls, a lot of these people thought we were... Uh, People who were trying to scam them because they was like, they're not, we don't know that we, uh, I didn't know that they were having credit cards. Um, and because when you call somebody, you can't necessarily tell them their account information. So when we were calling, we was like, hey, you know, we're just following up with you about a new product um, that you got and uh, that you signed up for. And they were like, well, we haven't gotten any new product. I was like, well, you know, you have nothing. You received anything that you can use or. I forgot. It's, it's been so long. It's been a couple of years since I've actually done it. I forgot we had a whole spill. We actually had a script for it. 
And so they would be like, no, no, we don't, we don't have nothing. And now I'm sitting there looking at their accounts with us. I'm like, bro, you just got a whole new credit card. But they didn't know it was a credit card. So that's, that's honestly, that's a form of being fraudulent. Um, and like I said, even because I work for them, I'm not taking up for them. Uh, it's not as bad as what Wells Fargo was doing. It's just opening up blank credit cards. Um, but they were just the people in the branch were pretty much just telling these people that it was overdraft protection and these people didn't know that they were actually doing credit cards. So what they ended up doing is pulling us off this campaign simply because of every time they said they didn't know that they had a credit card, we would have to pretty much report it. And it, it became so bad that that was majority of our calls because one of the crazy things, like let's say if you call a call center, like if you called into this bank call center and you want to do a credit card, we had a whole script to read you all these, you know, Privacy Act laws and um, the Patriot Act. Like we had all these things that we had to read over to you um, in order for you to to even um, to apply for the credit card. And then at the end of the the, the application process will ask you, do you agree to these terms? After we read all these terms, and you either say yes or no, then we'll submit your application. Boom. If a branch calls you, they'll just ask, do you want some? And then, or did you want the overdraft protection? Okay, you say yes. Cool. We'll get everything set up for you. Hang up onto the next person. And then the people in the branch will just automatically just fill out your application. Um, because they got all your information anyway, and you will end up getting the, the credit card in the mail. And what you will probably think it is, is just one of those, oh, you've been pre-approved for $25,000 on this plastic that got the name on it, you know what I'm saying? Random customer. That's what you would think it is, but it's not, it really was a credit card from the bank I was working at. Um, and so they, they end up eventually pulling us off that campaign. Um, and what ended up happening is, you know, you know, end up talking to, to a branch of associates and, you know, we had to get that, we had to get that taken care of basically to a certain extent. Now still they didn't have to read all the disclosures that we had to read if you got into a call center, but they had to make sure that they mentioned it was a credit card. A credit card that you can use for overdraft protection, not just overdraft uh, protection. So, and that that was one of the things that we did at our bank. Now, uh, back to uh, Wells Fargo. They, oh my God, I, I honestly think I lost my train of thought talking about why I used to work. It's cool, y'all. Stay with me. Stay focused. Let's. We learn them. We learn them. Just teaching you how to process, how these processes going. How Wells Fargo got away with with doing all this. Come on, y'all. Y'all stay with me. I ain't, I ain't gonna be here too much longer. It's already longer than I thought it was. But I can literally talk about banking forever. So you gotta excuse me. Um, but what Wells Fargo was doing, they was just opening up a bunch of credit cards. And you'd be like, well, how come, how could you open up an account in my name? And 
and I not know about it or open up a credit card in my name. Well, checking accounts usually don't get reported to credit bureaus until, let's say, because, you know, checking accounts have a monthly fee attached to them. No matter where you're banking, you can do certain requirements to get the monthly fee waived. So if I open up an account, of, you know what I'm saying, uh, open up an account with your name on it, and then months go by and you don't meet those requirements, you know, you're getting a service fee each month. Those service fees happen. You get overdraft fees on them service fees because there's no money in the account and so on and so on. So that takes months to process before we even, um, it even gets reported. But one of the things that most online banking allow you to do is Let's say if you have some money in an account and you don't want to spend from it or you don't want to take money out of it, you can hide the account online. So if you were going online or mobile banking looking at your accounts, you might not see that you have an account because somebody uh, that was in the branch or whatever, yeah, in the branch and the call center department for Wells Fargo would just go on to your online account and hide these accounts from you. And also with your credit cards, you're not going to... Um, a lot of the times, if you don't use it, then you're not penalized for it. Uh, the only way you know you're penalized for it is if you have too many credit cards, um, or you get declined for a credit card, or you know you get your credit reports, uh, your credit pull one too many times. You know all those deduct from your your credit score. Um, and plus you can hide your credit card online as well, just like. The, the checking account. So that's how they were able to do it for so long and, and get away with it because if you can't see that you have an account open, then you'll never know about it. And because it takes months for it to be reported once it goes into, you know, overdrawn status and then eventually 90 days after the overdrawn status, it goes down to collections. And then from collections, if you still don't pay it after a certain amount of time, we're reporting it. Um, and then it goes off to outside collections or whoever buys the past due amount. All that other good, all that, all that good stuff. So this is something, this is the reason why they were able to get along with it for so long. And it was, and the person, uh, the reason they found out because there was a whistleblower. Um, a guy had caught on to it at one particular branch and he blew the whistle. They fired him, you know, which is illegal. They definitely fired his ass, got him up out of there for snitching on everybody. And when he blew the whistle, it prompted uh, the government, the feds to do an investigation. And that's pretty much how they found out that, oh, shit, Wells Fargo been in this bitch fooling. For years, I'm talking about fooling, fooling for years. Um, one of the things I also I want to talk to you guys about real quick is when you're going to open up a new account, um, and I, I know one of the things is uh, a lot of people do a lot of stuff online, which is cool. Uh, nothing beats talking to somebody on the phone or in person. Uh, but one of the things, like if I go to open up a new account. One of the things that I do is I talk to the people who work there and I ask them, like, hey, do you guys, y'all guys gotta meet a sales quota? Like, 
you know what I'm saying? Like how aggressive are your sales quotas? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and a lot of the times, a lot of people, they won't tell you, or they be like, oh no, you know what I'm saying? So, or and one of the things I like, you know, your sales quota and do y'all get bonuses and stuff like that. A lot of them, they try to deter you from having that conversation. Um, or, you know, they don't want you in that business. But me, I'm, I'm kind of adamant about that information um, just to see what I'm getting myself in before I had. Like I said, now, a lot of banks now are moving to sales positions, which is a great thing. And a lot of banks don't even acknowledge that they still have sales goals. You, you, you will hear things like meeting the customer needs or uh, searching uh, uh, being proactive to a customer need, you know, identifying the need before the customer knows that they need it. So you, you definitely, you won't hear the word sales, uh, a lot of times in majority of, of, of big banks nowadays anyway. So there, there's certain words or, or key phrases that you have to listen to, but you also to protect yourself and to make sure that you're familiar with what you're getting into, Please ask those probing questions about their job, um, because like I said, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's been a study. You got the Wells Fargo anyway, but there's been a study that when you have these sales quotas to meet that, you know what I'm saying, it always, it promotes an unhealthy culture because even the, even the best person sometimes could be like, damn, I can't lose this job. Or damn, I need these bonuses like I was talking about earlier. So please, like if you open up a bank, open up account, or even if you're at a bank and you've been with them for a long time and you have no issues, go in there and talk to them. Have a real-life conversation with these people. they regular people, too. And I always say if they get a little too too pushy or aggravated with the, the questions that you're asking, take your money and get the hell on. Like, that's how I do it. I don't play no games with them because I, I've been in banking, and I know a lot of the stuff that some bankers can do. It could be just a one-off situation. It could be the person that they hire and not the company as well. So you 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 want to ask these questions about it. I mean, I mean, let's be real. Banking ain't had no damn clean-cut, pure history in the first place. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's been plenty of, you know, discrimination practices that's been going on in banking and you know, as time passes, man, you know, we're correct, correcting a lot of different things uh, when it comes to banking, especially with discrimination. Hell, even the overdraft fees once upon a time used to get interest on them hoes. Like, your account stay overdrawn for a certain period of time, man. You end up getting interest added on to that. You know what I'm saying? And there are a lot of banks. It's real hard to find a bank that would do that now, but they, you know, you, you was getting charged, like, your account go overdrawn by $35 on Monday. By Friday, shit, you might end up owing, ain't no telling how much, you know, $100, $200 because of the interest that's adding on each day from your account being overdrawn. But most banks don't do that. Uh, I know the bank that I, I worked for, uh, that I did work for, uh, they actually ended up refunding a lot of those uh, overdrawn accounts. So if you knew where I worked at, uh, for any of my listeners, and you once had an account with them and they closed down the overdrawn status, I know that um, 
and like let's say it was roughly around like 10 15 years ago i know they reimbursed a lot of uh customers all those funds are sent out a check but you know some customers if you move you ain't get that check i ain't gonna i ain't gonna hold you if you move you ain't get that check usually that money was sent out to uh to whatever the last address that we had on file so if you move you ain't get that check um so you know if if you want to you definitely you, you can look into it even if let's say you had an account with i don't know bbva and it got uh closed out go ahead uh if it got closed out due to overdrawn fees damn look into it just just check into it um and see if these people owe you some money because like i said banks aren't haven't always been the best safekeeper of your money you know what i'm saying so don't don't be afraid to ask those questions um don't be afraid to look and see if these damn banks owe you some money get it get your money man get it how you live you know what i'm saying i, I know you know this this episode kind of make you doubt banks um banks banking is getting a lot better uh customers are getting a lot smarter and there's a lot of available tools to make sure that a bank ain't getting over on you but most importantly making sure that a person who works at a bank ain't getting over on you um no i don't i don't work for a bank right now i actually work somewhere else i enjoy actually what i'm doing uh now who's to say if i ever get back in banking I probably will because I always wanted to be a branch manager by the time I turn 35. I don't know if that's ever going to be possible once, you know, people start listening to this episode. People like, we ain't hiring that snitch. What he out here doing? That's out here giving out secrets and stuff, making our job difficult. But it's just the price of fame, my nigga. It be like that sometime. Um, Before I let you go, I do have to cover a question. So... And if you have any banking questions, um, I get to that. Wait, let me cover this question um, uh, for you guys real quick. Um, so one of our listeners, um, they presented a question about banking and um, versus doing a credit union. So they was like, I'd like to know what's the difference between a credit union and a bank and what effect does this have on credit to answer that last uh the last part briefly banking with the bank or credit union neither one has any different effects on your credit uh basically it just depends on making sure that you pay if you have any type of line of credit along with the bank uh just making sure that you pay on time they all reported to the three major credit bureaus and from there you know your credit score is calculated so banking with the bank or credit union doesn't matter it doesn't that doesn't have any effect really on your credit um unless they're the way they report um your information to the credit bureaus that I'm, generally if you pay on time you could you know what i'm saying if you pay late then that's a knock on your credit so uh, from my understanding, it's all reported pretty much uh, the same every should be every 30 days, every 31 days um, that is being reported, just depending on how many days are in a month. Um, 
the difference between a bank and a credit union. A bank is for profit, which means that everything that a bank does, it is to guard money for their shareholders. It's, it's, it's a profit. It's, 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 that's basically what it means. It's for profit. Uh, credit unions are nonprofits, which means the money that a credit union has to give or to loan out is based on how many members they have a part of the credit union. So a bank, when they loan out money, especially when they first up and running, a lot of that money is funded by their shareholders, uh, people who invest in the bank and people who expect a dividend. With a credit union, it's a little bit different. Um, the money that they loaned out is usually their members. Members, so let's say if it's two people who, um, two customers at a credit union, and let's say one person deposits 2000 in a savings account, another person deposits 100 Let's say the person who has $100 um, and they want to do a loan for $500, well, primarily where they'll get that money from is from the other member who has that money sitting in like a, a savings account or better yet, I wouldn't even say it was that savings account. I would say a CD because a CD holds your money in for a certain amount of time where you can't touch it, uh, which will make it possible for somebody to be able to borrow your money, uh, that other member's money, and then you pay interest on what you borrow from that $500 and they split that and they make sure that customer when it's time for their CD time to be up and they can get their funds out, make sure they got their $500 and the interest that they gain on having their money in that CD and the other part of the interest will go back into the bank. So that's generally the gist of it. It's a little bit more uh, complex than it, but that's just a, a brief summary how generally credit unions work. Uh, one other thing about a bank is that they are insured by the FDIC, uh, which is a federal program, up to $250,000. Um, a credit union is insured by a in, by insured by NCUA, which is also uh, another another federal entity. The thing with that though is a credit union. If they insured by NCUA, uh, there it's only for a federal credit union. So that's like Navy, Fed, and generally credit unions that expand across multiple um, multiple states. Uh, other credit unions or small credit unions are usually insured by state regulation, and that can, how much they insure each person uh, can change vary between state to state or credit union to credit union, um, because majority of credit unions are not federal credit unions, so they don't get insured by the NCUA or that federal, don't have that federal backing. Uh, other credit unions have that state legislation backing. Like I said, that can vary between state to state on that credit union. So those are the two uh, biggest, uh, the two big differences between a bank and a credit union. Of course, some people believe that you get better rates at uh, a credit union. In some cases, 
you really do get better because Navy Fed, which, you know, you got to be in the Navy or dependent of somebody or, you know, a brother or somebody. And they got some of the best interest rates in the business, bro. Like, if you can get into the Navy Fed Credit Union, bro, you, you in the game. Like, EA Sports, no lie. You know what I'm saying? But, and credit unions also have that because they're, with the credit union, you have to understand, it's usually because there's only like one or two branches that's smaller and they don't have the funds for the technology that a big bank does. So accessibility is, that's a very, very big difference when dealing with a credit union. Like their online banking and mobile banking um, doesn't always give you the same capabilities that a big bank does. Um, and plus, you have to a lot of times use foreign ATM machines, which some credit unions do waive the first three times that you use a foreign ATM machine. But that ATM machine from that bank, let's say if you at you Navy Fed, just for an example, I don't really know exactly. Um, but let's say for Navy Fed, if they waive the foreign ATM machine fee, that's cool. But if you use like a Regions um, ATM machine or a BBVA or a Wells Fargo ATM machine, they also charge you um, if you're not a customer there's for using that ATM machine. So while yeah, Navy Fed waiving the fee for charging, uh, waiving the fee for using the foreign ATM machine, other banks, other financial institutions like shit, you're going to give me me. Give me me, fam. I need my little, my, my funds. So you'll still get charged with them. Uh, so that's, and with, with bigger banks, of course, they're generally everywhere. Like Wells Fargo, Chase Bank, uh, BBVA, Bank of America, all these, you know, uh, bigger banks, you know, have accessibility. They're, they're, they're everywhere. Usually their customer service lines are 24-7. Um... Usually with, with credit unions, they're usually the same banking hours from like maybe like seven to five, six to five generally. So the accessibility is a, a very big difference. Um, but if you're one of them people who don't really travel, then it, it don't really matter. Um, but also, there's no rule in the book that says you can't bank with both. You can have two, you can bank with two different financial institutions and that's not a problem um so those generally are the, are the biggest differences uh the technology one's for profit the other one's non-profit um credit unions all usually give out smaller loans uh smaller lines of credit uh than with a big bank because a big bank has a lot of more members a lot of more funds uh a lot of shareholders who invest money into it uh, so those those are the, the the general differences between a bank and a credit union. Also, if you don't, federal credit unions to me have some of the best customer service skills, um, and they get to you get to know the people there uh, because generally, like I said, they only have one or two places of operations. Um, so you you get that feeling. You you actually get to keep a banker usually for a long time or the people who work in the bank generally work there for years and say so you build that personal relationship with them. Usually with big banks, 
because they offer so many different positions. Uh, people usually come and go. You usually use different banks throughout the month because there's so many different locations. Uh, so you don't you don't get that that personal experience. Now you can with the bank if it's a small community bank, um, which all the disadvantages that a credit union have with technology and all of that uh, will have. Now they'll have the same deficiencies as a, a, a smaller bank. A smaller bank had the same deficiencies as a, a, a credit union, but they'll give you that, that small hometown feel. Uh, I think that's about everything, man. Listen, I'm going to do other episodes about uh, banking finances. Of course, I'm going to give you guys more tips how to protect yourself. Um, savings, you know, how to save money, the best way to save money. I'm going to throw you guys all those bones. We, we're going to talk about it in the future um, because it's knowledge that I know. And I, I, I want to pass it on to you guys so you can have a, a healthy, you know, financial health. Because um, financial liter literacy is very important. I want to talk to them, you know, do some episodes about the different type of jobs that you can find in banking. Um, the benefits of, you know, banking black, but also having black employees in some of these larger banks that's predominantly white. Um, how we, you know, more black people need to work in there to make sure that people of color or minorities um, are getting treated the way that they should be treated. So, man, we, this is just the tip of the iceberg uh, of, of banking. But if you have any questions um, about anything I said or any questions, you got something going on at your bank that you, you know, it feel a little shady, uh, man, hit me up, man. Follow in my inbox. Um, on a podcast, uh, shoot me a, a Gmail, uh, shoot me, I mean, shoot me an email in my Gmail, which is ignorantbychoice1 at gmail.com. So that's ignorantbychoice, the number one at gmail.com. Of course, I'm on Instagram at ignorantbychoice underscore podcast. I'm on Twitter at IBC podcast underscore Facebook, ignorant by choice, pod underscore. Um, and so, yeah, if you got any questions, please don't hesitate, man. Hit me up. Um, we will talk about it. If you want to stay anonymous because it's some personal information, easy. Um, that's fine with me. I'll just, you know, um, if you want, I can tell the story in another podcast or I can just simply answer your question to the best of my ability. Um in my inbox or my dm um or whatever so yeah man that's all i got for you i know this wasn't probably one of the most exciting episodes but i definitely appreciate everybody who listens likes and shares this um because people need to know man people need to know about some of the practices and the culture that bank sets um so yeah push through listen to it and you'll be all right. Shit, other episodes gonna be a little bit more exciting. I ain't really trying. I ain't here for all that complaining shit. You know what I'm saying? I'm just playing, y'all. I'm just playing, man. I'm out this bitch, though. I'll holler. 
to my brother on a whole nother level uh, mr rough show can't no one do it better